This is the one with the Loch Ness Monster. Cronenbergian sex knobs. The trustee of the Golden Haggis Lucky Dip. And Dynacon Thrust in Phase 2. It's called Terror of the Zygons. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Talon, Oot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Well, hello there, beautiful people. Hope you're all having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever, wherever you are. You are listening to Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Dark Past. Dark Past. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is definitely Scottish-themed. Oh, yes. (laughs) This episode being Terror of the Zygons. Oh, my goodness. C080, as we know it. Oh, very exciting. Who are you? Me. I'm Jim. Who are you? Hello, Jim. I'm Leon. Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim. <laughs> Hello, podcast land. <laughs> Stick around for the post-credit sequence. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Terror of the Zygons, dude. Zygons? First Zygon appearance. Oh, is this the very first? It's the very Ooh. first Zygon appearance. I think I like the Zygons. I'm not so sure this is their best appearance. Well, it's a sad thing that you say that because it is also, in Classic Who, their only appearance. What? Yeah. Allegedly, according to trivia, allegedly there is a... Oh, sorry, there was meant to be a Zygon somewhere in the background of Sharda, which was never filmed. Oh. We do have the animated uh, reconstruction of it, so we will get to Shard at some point. But that would be that would have been the only other appearance of Zygons in Classic Who. They don't return until New Who. My mind is officially blown then, because I I genuinely thought these were ones that stuck around a bit. Yeah, that's what I thought so as well. (laughs) Given that I have no idea how to follow that up, shall we just let everyone know what this whole serial is about? Oh, in sort of a bite-sized chunk of of who? Yeah, something like that. Okay, cool. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. The Doctor is back on Earth in response to an alert from the Brigadier. It seems there's something nasty in the waters off Scotland, and it's gobbling up all the oil rigs. But there's more at stake than mere fossil fuel. A marooned band of Zygons and their pet cyborg Nessie are planning to destroy the environment in preparation for a Zygon invasion. Does the Brigadier look good in a kilt? Is it legal to kill a man if he won't stop playing the bagpipes? Is that a slimy knob in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me? Keep on listening to discover if we can answer any of those questions. B-Scout over, you are welcome, aren't you just? Where would you like to start? So I think the Brigadier did look good in the kilt, actually. He looked amazing. Yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I am so jealous of... Uh, the Scottish. <laughs> you want an excuse to wear a kilt? Yeah. I, okay. I, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> well, I, you can't, if you're not Scottish, which I am not, then I don't feel that you can legitimately wear a kilt. That's it's fake, right? Are the Irish allowed to? I forget. I know they have their own tartans and stuff. Oh, that's true. Hmm. Oh, but do they wear kilts? Is that traditional garb? I don't know. I don't Are know. you Irish? Are you listening to this? Write in. Let us know. <laughs> Because I have some Irish ancestry, so I could, if they're allowed to. 
Does your family have like a, it's, is there a Jimmy the Who Tartan? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it should be legal to kill a man if he won't stop playing the bagpipes. Absolutely. That scene is fantastic, by the way. Is it? <laughs> In the beginning, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Fucking bagpipes. I mean, sorry, Scottish listeners. The bagpipes, at once, one of the most artistic and, and beautiful sounds, and the most gut-wrenching, <laughs> awful, brain-cell-destroying noises ever invented by man. The thing is, it doesn't really matter that it's the bagpipes, per se. There is just... Very loud music playing over the first, I want to say, half a dozen conversations in this. Yeah. In the first episode of the serial. Yeah, I, I made a note of that as well. It's a very noisy episode. When it's not the bagpipes, it's just general noise. The The sound editing in, in episode one is terrible. Yeah. We get a lot of, like, the Zygons as well, and the Zygon ship, the first encounter with the, in the ship is, there's too much going on in the background. I need to be able to listen to your conversation. Yeah. Okay, so those weren't brilliant starting points. Is there something you really want to get to the heart of? I do. Okay. I do, however, also want to say that the bagpipe opening scene reminded me of a Monty Python sketch, the cheese shop sketch. Oh, okay. Shut that bloody bazooki up! <laughs> <laughs> that sketch. Uh, right, I do have a question uh, that I want to ask you, because we very recently encountered Bagel's daughter in New Who. Yes. And... Because of that, and, and we talked a little bit about how, how we perceived Kate Stewart and her, like the absence of someone to humanize Kate Stewart as the leader of you. Could you help being incredibly aware of Bagels' relationship with Benton, for example, and his just charm and charisma? And how do you feel about Bagels now that you have met future Bagels sans future Benton? I I feel like... I want to Kate in a, a different way, straight away, okay. in, in New Who. I think she had a little bit more of a kind of all-round social and commanding and scientific presence. Whereas I feel like there are, there's still a lot of things with Bagel where you're kind of like, come on, you should be along with this already. Like, I know you're a military man, but this is the doctor. Just just do it, man. But he's a nicer dude, isn't he? He's... Like as far as a military guy goes, definitely. You know, he's not doing everything by the book, and yeah, he's he's oh. having, having a bit of fun with stuff. But. Oh, I see. And and Kate Stewart isn't really a military. I think yeah. I think she's I guess, more scientist. I maybe. get that impression definitely, which does okay. does keep them apart a bit. That's a that's a very strong argument. Okay. What do you think, though? Well, I couldn't help but constantly focus on his rapport with Benton every single time that those two showed up and they had their little quips and they're, they're, they're just, they're mates. Yeah. One is clearly the subordinate, that's fine, and he has to follow orders, Benton has to follow orders, but those two are mates, and I love that about them. Like, I can both respect and adore these two characters because of their interplay. Yeah. I can kind of half remember there being, possibly happening multiple occasions actually, a point where the brig is... He's either kind of asking Benton to do something or Benton should have already done something. Um, <laughs> and he's like, are you going to go do that then? And Benton's like, oh, I suppose so. He's, I guess I ought to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got almost like they kind of forget that he is the subordinate sometimes. And they're just kind of like talking around. And it's like, oh yeah, you've asked me to do that. I'm meant to do that, aren't I? Because you're the boss. Balls. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah, that's true. You had a question as well, I think. Yeah. I couldn't help but wonder. Uh -huh. So I'm going to put my wonderment in form of a question to you leon oh okay is it nice now to be back on earth in the present day after we've had quite a bit of traveling around through space and time oh that's a wonderful question 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's good to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. And it seems as though, I mean, not just it seems as though, we have a choice between outer space and units. Very rarely, if ever, in fact, I I can't think of a single example of having both. You know, do we ever get unit in space? Do we ever get unit on the Zygon homeworld? Which, well, no, because we learned that it doesn't exist anymore. But... I've really, I've missed Bagels and Benton, I've missed Unit, and I've missed Doc's love of mankind and Earth, and his desire to constantly defend it. Yeah. And that's quite nice as well. It's good that we've had him jumping around the universe a little bit, but every now and then you just need to anchor the show in something. And yeah. Earth is the anchor. And he has been dealing with humans, but they're future humans, and it's the future human race he's it's been It's not saving. at all relatable. And it's, yeah. What's some dudes in a cave somewhere being tortured <laughs> by a centaur and fuck those guys. Yeah. Or <laughs> people in cryo in a space station. Oh, is like, no. Forgot yeah. about those guys totally. <laughs> Let the flies eat them. <laughs> what about the Zygon controls? Oh, man. Have you ever How been much so aroused? Did they turn you on? <laughs> <laughs> Every time they turned on those controls, those controls turned me on. <laughs> I mean, there's something incredibly Cronenbergian about it, right? That yeah. Everything's made out of... Like, there's not a single button on that dashboard that isn't a clitoris. Like, it's <laughs> just absolutely amazing. I love how much a part of the story... Is. Well, it's not part of the story, but, like, there's so many scenes where they're squeezing those knobs yeah, very just, purposefully. Yeah. <laughs> Gently twisting, tweaking, <laughs> tweaking the knobs. <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's never like it would be a human would use something. It's always a little bit creepy and yeah. sexual. <laughs> and it makes, it makes yeah. perfect sense for them to yeah. do this. I mean, they themselves are covered in suckers. I was a little surprised that they didn't make use of the suckers in any way. No. I think that's like not even on the dashboard. There's not, you know, they, they don't seem to, the dashboard isn't designed for them. The dashboard is designed for anything with digits. Even yeah. Harry can manipulate it, for example. Yeah, that's true. Or he can yank a thing off and go, yeah, the door's going to lock now. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what he does? Does he yank a thing off it? I thought he just, like, pressed some buttons. Or, well, pressed some nipples. I feel like at some some point someone just snaps off a control arm and goes, yep, that's the door. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I missed that. <laughs> The Zygon ship is fantastic. Sorry, it's a bit all over the shop, but like the Zygon ship, yeah. we get to see from multiple angles, we get to see tons of different parts and aspects of this ship, with the exception of the self-destruct console, which is maybe a little bit too prominent. <laughs> it is one of the most beautiful things in Classic Who so far. Yeah, I think this is why I like the Zygons, is because they seem quite alien. And yeah. that's that's reflected very much so in this ship. Mm. And they did a yeah, incredible job with the set to get that. And I think I said before, I think it was about the Wirren, that I've, I felt like if you're going to make a costume, you need to kind of think what each part of that costume is doing yeah. in, in that alien you've created. And you know what? I don't know why the Zygons have suckers. I don't know why they're all a bit hunchback and stuff like that. But because it's so alien and gorgeous i don't actually care it doesn't look flimsy it's not it's not making me kind of question the prop department because i'm not looking at it like a prop i'm looking at it like an alien so how do you feel i mean sorry how did you feel about the wirren then compared to the zygons i think i most mostly liked it but there was just there was a wobbly factor to some of their kind of um mandibles or antennae or something uh, okay which if you're gonna put that on your prop that you know, on your costume. If you can't make it look good, 
maybe just leave it off like you haven't explained why it's there you haven't kind of gone into detail of it being integral to that alien life form so maybe just adjust it a bit so it doesn't look quite enough and i feel like the zygons are these very solid looking creatures that come off as quite imposing actually oh very much so yeah are they meant to be squid monsters i have no idea because they have the suckers yeah and they have the very tall heads which might be, I mean, oh, I see what you're saying. sort of trying to picture a squid or, yeah. or an octopus. I'm not entirely sure what the difference is, frankly, but maybe. I can't think of anything else with suckers either, really. No, I, I mean, you, you would imagine whoever designed them. Was thinking uh, something was thinking along those lines, that. yeah. They have suckers all over, I'm assuming you also noticed, all over their groins. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they have the most places. That's true, but also <laughs> all over their groins. We can say this now, right? Dude, Marie is not in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like this is recorded for posterity or anything. <laughs> it's not like her parents listen to this show. <laughs> Zygon, would you or wouldn't you? Uh, no, I would not. <laughs> You'd never get off the thing. <laughs> uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> We've both encountered... Zygons in New Who, where is it? Is it not until Capaldi? Wait, hang on. I, I I wrote this down somewhere. It's not until the the day of the Doctor, which is the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah. Oh, okay. What is it? Matt Smith, Tennant's hurt. Oh, yeah. wait. Is that the and thirteen? Capaldi does show up. It's when we get to see his eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, exactly. It's the fiftieth anniversary. So the, yeah, I just looked it up. I saw a picture of his eyes. The the uh, we've seen Zygons. Zygon invasion is in New Who, right? So we've encountered them ad nauseum, ad infinitum yeah. in New Who. How do these compare to New Who Zygons? Do New Who Zygons feel like just a the same old Zygons or a newification of these Zygons? I've, I kind of feel what I remember of the New Who episodes, which I've probably only watched like once. Okay. So they're not as fresh in my mind as some of the older New Who stuff. Um, I feel they played up the body cloning, like, they did, didn't they? A bit, yeah. A bit more. I feel like that became... Well, with the Zygons in New Who, isn't the whole thing that there are thousands or millions of Zygons living on Earth just yeah, looking I, like humans? Yeah, I think they did so. So that's a huge yeah. part of, of the Zygon plot. And this one, they almost, until the very end, made it seem like you couldn't have a Zygon walking around at the same time as the human that they were impersonating. I know. I didn't really like that at the end. Yeah, I would have preferred it that the human had to be out of action and then they they kind of wiped that out yeah exactly so i mean when the humans were rescued from those pods how could the guy still wander around looking like the yeah. duke of what's it called because it made it it made it kind of question why they had these special pods like they could yeah. have just had them knocked out lying on a floor somewhere or, like because it's just they need to keep them imprisoned yeah that seemed to be what what it was but whilst they're in the pods and we didn't see two people together or like up and about together um, yeah, it, def- it definitely felt like they were kind of like converting them at, at the same time to like channel. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've we've encountered Zygons once before in uh, in an audiobook, the Zygon who fell to Earth, and I really meant to <laughs> I love some of these titles. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I what I scored that. I'm sure, just like very many other audiobooks, I was far too harsh. But yeah, I was far too harsh. But it was pretty much just a rehash of this plot. However, in that one, I am 187% sure 
they made it very clear if the Zygon looks like a human, the human is alive and in the pod. Right. And as you said, up until the very end, that is the case here as well. Yeah. Until they just screwed that up. Yeah. Hmm. Because I, I think that would have that would have fit better with what the Zygons were doing in this episode as well. Because in New Who, they've obviously relaxed that, which means there can be thousands upon thousands of Zygons hiding in human form yeah. on Earth, and you just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Other than the occasional duplicate bumping into himself or herself. Um, whereas this made it more like they were they were just an alien species who happened to be able to do this thing as well as a kind of way um, to, to do espionage. and. But in New Who, do we not get a few scenes of... Of, of just that, of the Zygon duplicate and the original meeting and a third person not knowing which one's real. Yeah, they, they do that quite a bit with unit, I think. So that would then mean that one person, that the, the original needs to have left the pod. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like New Who, oh, I see. New who they've made it so the pod thing isn't, oh, isn't sorry, even sorry, on, sorry. on the table. Gotcha, sorry. And, unless unless they, they have it and then brush it aside quite quickly, I'm not sure. Whereas they, they try and make it a thing which I think makes sense for what they've said in this episode, because you have, for the most part, the Zygons just controlling Nessie, which we haven't even got oh, on You know, but they've got their, their big plan of changing the environment or whatever. Um, they want to use this sea monster, and they're, they're at their controls quite a lot doing this. They're in their Zygon form. Yeah, They're just an alien species that is trying to take over the Earth. And gotcha. then there's this extra thing that they can impersonate a human and it, it seems like an, it's an additional thing. It's not their entire reason for being. It's not, it's not how they stand apart from other aliens in Doctor Who. But it is but in a certain way. It, it is. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a biological feature. It is a technological feature, I think. I mean, maybe it's technology and biology working yeah. together. But it's not like, oh, if you're a human and you hijack a Zygon ship, then you also would be able to shapeshift. You would have to be a Zygon with this particular set of technological tools in order to do so, right? It's awesome that you've got this possibly warship, possibly whatever, equipped with these pods just in case you meet another bipedal species. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the the effect of the morphing as well, I thought was pretty incredible. Beautiful. Yeah. Special effects in this episode in general are fantastic. I mean, the morph effect is great. The spaceship underwater taking off with all the dust and then oh, rising yeah. from the water, flying around. Uh, the the miniature oil rig that is blown up. Yeah. There are... Oh, oh, okay. One of the nicest effects. Nessie wagging her tail as she's walking past the doctor who's on the ground looking around. I mean, I that's did. like a Jurassic Park level special <laughs> effect. It is beautiful. Yeah, I... I have to say, I don't know if I was a bit underwhelmed with Nessie. Really? Yeah. Oh, you mean the the sock puppet heads? I think <laughs> because for the most part, that's what we saw. Okay. Was just this head. There wasn't a lot of scale given to her, apart from the, the odd occasion where the head kind of popped over a hill or something. Yeah, or the Thames. Out of the Thames oh, on the like Thames. South Bank yeah. or something in London. Which was a little bit weak, effects-wise. Um <laughs> I thought the only weak thing about Nessie was when she was chewing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, whatever it was, the sensor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I was very excited that the Lot Less Monster was in, in the serial <laughs> at the start. Um, and I, uh, by the end of it, I, I felt a bit let down, I think. 
I don't oh, know. really? Yeah, just, oh, okay. just a little bit, just a little bit. That's fine. That's fair. I loved it. I thought the special effects were amazing. I do see what you're saying about the head. The head is a little on the cheap side, maybe. Yeah. But I felt that the effect of when Tom Baker is, when the fourth doctor is about to be eaten by Nessie, right before Harry goes and tweaks some some nips and saves the day, that gives you that perspective. Like, it's almost, it's from the point of view of Nessie, and he's on the ground, helpless. I thought that was spectacular. <laughs> oh, Fair enough. So, mm-hmm. the whole plot of this... <laughs> yes. All right, let's get why, into it. Why do the Zygons want to get rid of these oil rigs? What are they trying to do? Please just try and fill me and um, maybe listeners in on how you, un- <laughs> how you understand the Zygons are going to take over the Earth. Because I'm not sure I entirely followed it i think the oil rigs kind of work against them as in destroying the oil rigs is counterproductive to the zygon plan (laughs) because at a certain point i was asking myself are republicans who question the validity of uh, global warming and you know fossil fuels effects on the environment are they actually just zygons in disguise because the zygons broton broton by the way (laughs) hang 10 broton um Broton at one point says, we want to melt the ice caps, we want to alter the the environment of this planet. Basically, we want to destroy the current environment, the current climate, in order to make it, turn it into a replica of the Zygon homeworld. Okay. So shouldn't they be friends of fossil fuel? Like, what, yeah. what, is it that by destroying these oil rigs, they're causing oil spills? Maybe that's actually, maybe I take it back. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. The plot basically is... The Zygon homeworld was destroyed. The Zygons now are effectively homeless. We later on, by the way, knew who find out that they were destroyed in the Time War. Ooh. So it is the Doctor's fault that they are homeless. The Zygon fleet is now just floating through space, I guess casually waiting to find a new home. These Zygons are marooned on Earth. There are like four of them, maybe, tops. Yeah. And, um, well, there were five, no, sorry, there were four pods. So maybe there are four Zygons in total. And... Yeah, and that's it. They can't return home, so they're going to destroy the Earth and make it the new Zygon homeworld. That's the plot. Wait, hang and on. Then, well, what's the problem? <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> and then when we get to the end, we've got the Duke Zygon. Yeah, Broton. Yeah. Bro. He's gone to London. Yeah. Like, we are skipping all around the place. I'm sorry. Keep up with us, listeners, please. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone down to London to try and, like, give, give some demands I think. There's the first international nuclear power council, whatever. It's a meeting of in global potentates in London on South Bank. And he is going to have them all killed by the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. So that when the world is in panic, and without all of these politicians and potentates, and with the knowledge that there is such a thing as the Loch Ness Monster, he is going to disrobe, turn himself into a sexy squid monster, and go, I'm in charge now. I've got a Loch Ness Monster at my disposal. <laughs> I can do anything I want. And you can't... You, you wouldn't be able to mobilize your armies because you've no longer access to Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. And I, probably lots of other like international politicians. I feel like there are about 20 million flaws with that plan. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I, I am already, I have already in my head lowered the score that I originally gave this episode, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> All right, give us one plot hole. 
Is it that there are other politicians in the world? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's the entire military as well. Yeah, but dude, they've got a cyborg Loch Ness monster. <laughs> what more do you need? Apparently, what you need is the thing that makes it come to places, attracts yeah. it. Which he um, has now eaten, or which the Loch Ness Monster, he yeah. or she, whatever. N- she, she, Nessie. I think she's generally a she. Okay, so which she has now eaten. But yeah. the, in the Zygon ship, they're still able to call it, and they probably have more of those sensors. Oh, no. Okay. So wait, yeah, another plot hole. Give me another plot hole, dude. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, mostly we don't negotiate with terrorists in this kind of way. Like I feel like people would would fight the Loch Ness Monster, they wouldn't hand over the Earth to the squid monster. We don't, as a rule, negotiate with terrorists, but the terrorists that we normally don't negotiate with are humans. Yeah. If... Okay, here's what I think. I'm sorry, if we have any listeners who are members of ISIS, then fuck you and stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we shouldn't negotiate with ISIS, but if ISIS turns out to be squid monsters from outer space, let's hear them out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> well i guess the other thing is it is a massive bluff because there's not a lot the zygon I, I forget if the other i think the other ones are still around at this point aren't they yeah yeah so they're like two more on the ship. yeah so they're the few zygons that are here they're actually not a lot of threat on their own not, not, at all. not that humans would know that like you say they're they're red squid things people would probably be very freaked out yeah not sure how to deal with this but once humanity got its shit together and realised, like some, bagels, that all you need is a handgun. Yeah, some pe- <laughs> some people would obviously be trying to deal with the Nessie situation. Uh-huh. Some people would go, well, this dude says he's in control of Nessie, so we're going to attack this dude. Yeah. And yeah, they would kill him in seconds. Okay, but so, <laughs> hang on, devil's advocate. The squid guy goes, you can't shoot me, because if you shoot me, we have wibbly-wobbly things aboard our ship, which you don't even know where it is. <laughs> in brackets, it's certainly not in a quarry. <laughs> they never are <laughs> that uh, will destroy the earth we will hold the earth at ransom and because we are so technologically advanced you must assume that we hold all the cards yeah i'm just not i'm just not buying it yeah like, no, you know what i don't buy it either. i feel like <laughs> it's a massive bluff on the zygons part and i feel like they would be better off just slowly impersonating people and getting them to do yeah they should auto on this yeah. The, the aut- okay, so there's um in Speared from Space, the first Pertwee episode. Is it Speared from No, it's the it's the next Auton thing. I can't remember what it's called now. Maybe it's actually you know what? It might be called the Auton Invasion. A Pertwee serial where you have Autons that are modeled after politicians and uh, heads of uh, the military and, and whatever. Yeah. And they will slowly but surely replace the original, you know, generals and ministers and so on and so forth. That's what the Zygons should have done. They have a building on the South Bank that is full of politicians and people in charge of important shit. Yeah. Go in there, kidnap them, go, we have a Loch Ness Monster. Unless you stand in line and pop into these pods and let us impersonate you, the Loch Ness Monster will eat you. And then that's how they infiltrate the, the yeah, society. That's much better. In fact, what is preventing... Wait, hang on. What is preventing the other Zygons out in space from coming to the Earth in the first place? I don't know. I don't I don't recall too much being mentioned about the other ships, what, what they were doing, where they're going. In fact, I want to say, I think I wrote down... Uh, I think I made a note during... I'm, I'm scanning my notes now. Um, yeah, here we go. In part four, 
I, I wrote down a quote. There are many centuries before the Zygon fleet arrives. Many centuries. Right. Why are they doing this now? Are four Zygons going to be in charge of the entire Earth, which is solely human, for many centuries <laughs> until their buddies arrive? Just sitting on a mound, twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, and constantly in fear of being usurped. Wouldn't it be better to either, I don't know how long a Zygon lives, but if they don't live for centuries and centuries, wouldn't it be better to just cryogenically freeze themselves or whatever and wait until they have backup? <laughs> yeah. Shaving off points here. Shaving <laughs> off points. So I think I think I mostly enjoyed this when I watched it, uh-huh. and it's it's just started settling into my brain a bit of, oh, no. of just <laughs> yeah. Like I think I I think I just really want to like the Zygons because they are quite alien, and it's it's a rare to get this kind of sentient alien that seems otherworldly. I think you yeah. you get, often get a monster that seems like maybe it's a giant spider or something, but you sometimes get something that that feels very alien, but it doesn't talk, it doesn't try and do anything intelligent. And I think Zygons are one of the one of the things. I guess the, the Wirren kind of fit this bracket too. But it's like it's an intelligent alien species that's not just got the Star Trek kind of little extra thing on its nose, or you know, it's, it's physiognomically a, it is completely different. Yeah, and yeah. and as we said already, they they're trying to work the alien through with how they're controlling things, and you know, and I, and I really like that. I I want to like give it more because they've done that. But I, was, I, I feel like the plot is just holding it back a bit. Uh, I think I fear that you might be right. I mean, you said before that in New Who they put a, a greater focus on the shape-shifting elements of it. I thought the shape-shifting element of this one was one of its strong points. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. There were, I mean, I got it wrong even at one point. There, there were there were several instances throughout these four episodes, these four parts, at which I went, I bet he's a Zygon. I bet she's a Zygon. And then like, oh, nope, he wasn't a Zygon after all. I bet it's the Duke then. Oh, it is the Duke. Oh, I'm so pleased. <laughs> I think that's a very strong, like it's a USP of the Zygons. And I love that about them. Yeah. So in that vein, I think the nurse straight off the bat, I was like, oh, oh, she's a bit creepy. You're clearly a Zygon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it is wishful thinking as well. Because, yeah. you know, uniform suckers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um... When Harry gets zygoned, but he doesn't. He was super creepy. Oh wait, when Harry gets zygoned, oh you mean the guy who zygons Harry? The guy who <laughs> when there who is a zygon, Harry. when there is a zygon <laughs> impersonating Harry, he looks. Oh, I see. Yes, super evil, and he's he's hid in a haystack in the barn or something like that, and you just see his eye through shadow. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's straight out of a horror movie, like a Hitchcock. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I forget the name of the the actor, but he does an amazing job, actually. Ian Martell? Martell? Something Something like that. that. Yeah. Um, But it's really obvious that this is the the Zygon. Like, this is not Harry anymore. And I think he's walked into a room with Sarah Jane to get the device and then runs off. And it's like, there's no point where you're like, that's Harry Sullivan. Right from the get go, (laughs) that's a Zygon. And I think we're meant to know. Like, there's no, there's no questioning it. But then we get the whole duplicity are, of the Duke. That's that's true. Yeah, is he just an arsehole or is he an alien arsehole? Because <laughs> I think it, by the end of it, it's it's making it sound that he has always been Broton. But then we see a lot of Broton. So 
Yeah. I don't know. Broton gives them a lift in the first place. Oh, they yeah. arrive on Earth, as in our protagonists arrive yeah, on Earth and are true. picked up and given a lift. <laughs> they hitch a ride with the antagonist. That's very true. Which is fantastic. Because I, th- I think you have to assume that the Duke was always Broton, yeah? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is the thing I didn't get. Like, is Broton just much better at blending in than all of the other Zygons? I guess so. Because... You definitely, you definitely don't get the feel that that's like. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like nurse, straight away, I'm like, you're a Zygon. Yeah. When they take over Harry, well, not take over. You know, they impersonate Harry. It's like, yeah, you're you're a Zygon. Yeah. You are not Harry, and it's never in question for me. I don't know what other points you got. Do you, can you remember other things where you were like, oh, you could be a Zygon? Or? Yeah. So uh, I've just found it in my notes now where I've uh, I've written down, I bet the landlord is a Zygon and then the, the landlord got killed. And I go, oops, nope. Okay, the Duke <laughs> is then. <laughs> oh, little wee Angus. Oh, uh, lovely, lovely Angus. <laughs> Wait, is Angus... Oh, is that Angus? I think I, he was the landlord. He was I, the bagpipe player. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is that Angus? Yeah. Sorry, so I assumed... I only thought he was a Zygon at first. Then when he started looking around and like dusting, no, sorry, he he said something like, "Oh, that's that's weird." Like, what? How did something get into into this deer's head or whatever? It's yeah. Like, All right. So you're not a Zygon then, because otherwise you would know about this. And then he gets killed. My assumption was, "All right, so it must be the Duke." And it's a full episode, I think, until it's confirmed it is the Duke. And for the whole episodes. I was in limbo. I was wondering, is he? Is he not? Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think I actually assumed the Duke until quite close to the reveal. Yeah, um, because he's blending in much more. I thought. I think maybe one of the reasons I assumed the Duke was because I assumed that there would be a reveal, like there would be a twist of some yeah. sort, and. When it wasn't the landlord, there there wasn't our options. Know, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, there weren't many other characters. I think we're going to encounter something similar quite soon in the Android Invasion, which is an episode. I, I've mentioned this before on on Back One. I'm sorry about this, but it's an episode where I I recognise, I remember certain scenes from when I was a kid, it's like yeah. incredibly vividly. <laughs> and it, as I recall, that's an episode where you go, "Are you an android or are you a human?" Uh, it's another Earth-based episode. That sounds cool. In fact, I think that's the next time that we get to uh, get to meet Harry Sullivan. Oh, so he does come back. He does come back. Yeah. See that that's an interesting um, trivia point that they apparently were going to make this the final episode uh, oh, really? of series twelve, and so oh yes, this yeah. would have been his like proper departure at the end of a series. But yeah, he comes along for one thing, and <laughs> like I I assumed he was getting off, and he's not getting back in the TARDIS again. But I guess I guess maybe he doesn't get back in the TARDIS again. He just, he just pops up in a a unit yeah it's yeah that's another unit um based earth yeah. earth serial which i don't know kind of reflecting back back on it his whole presence now and what have we had five serials with him i'm not sure yeah, i think so it's something like that it's it starts with a robot right yeah wait so it's, it's robots arc in space Sontaran experiment revenge of the cybermen terror of the zygons five episodes yeah or serials which is tantamount to I don't know, 20 odd episodes or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, a bit more, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's quite a long time, actually. But if, he was probably feels, working there for like six months. Yeah, it feels like, I don't know, someone somewhere actually, said, yeah, sorry. You know what? I'm going to stick my neck out. We're going to give this guy a go. And then a year <laughs> later, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they, didn't we talk about this in the, in, uh, in the robot review? I seem to recall that they originally wanted 
uh, a much older doctor. They wanted a like a William Hartnell-ish old man doctor, like a, oh, a granddad. Yeah. And therefore, Harry would have been the young action man juxtaposing the old wise man who's traveling around with them. And since they went with Tom Baker, who was himself quite young, they went, fuck it, we can't have two young men. Get rid of one of them. And so they wrote Harry out of the show. Yeah. So they didn't really write him out of the show. No, they just, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's the thing that seems a bit of a shame, is that they didn't treat it in the knowledge that he was going to be a short-lived character. There was nothing to give him a backstory that he would, maybe he would have a... He has a family. He wants to get back yeah, to Yeah, exactly. He has something to get back to. Yeah. Or something traumatic happens to him on a different planet. And yeah, exactly. He desperately wants to... Now he's afraid of traveling in the TARDIS. It's literally... I guess they spent a few hops struggling to get back to the current time on Earth. Yeah. Because that's what we said with the sort of arc from going from the arc in space all the way around to where we are now. This is the first time they're getting back to where they started, effectively. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I don't know how much time has passed on Earth since the last time. I'm assuming not much. Probably not M- much. A matter of months, I would guess. Tops. At, at most. Yeah. So, I mean, they could have played that up. Like, it's just, I, I didn't expect to be away for so long. Okay, you know, time hasn't passed on Earth. But, you know, I've been on alien worlds. Yes, I went to Skyro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just questioned myself whether they went to an alien world. Yeah. But I've been on a spaceship. I've been to alien worlds. I've been to future the Earth. future, yeah. You know, and I haven't been home once. Like, I didn't expect that. Or, you know, there's no explanation given. It's just at the end of this, he's like, you know what? Nah, I don't think I'm going to come along anymore. In fact, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think... Th- I think the end is incredibly underwhelming because there's no motivation for him. And the Brigadier is way too casual about yeah. not wanting a run. Like, the Brigadier has seen the TARDIS for ages. Why would he not want to see the in- interior yeah. of the TARDIS? It's like, no, it's all right. I've got a kettle kettle on. I better get back to that. Yeah. Sorry, Doc. <laughs> oh, you boring prick. <laughs> Again, like, just throw in a line, like, how much responsibility he has, like, because he's not leader of unit, but he's, you know, he's pretty much he's, a, yeah, a yeah. key linchpin of unit. Absolutely. You know, it's like, he could just have one line to say, like, <laughs> I can't leave this, you know, people need me. Also, by the way, so you said maybe a few months, uh, and I agree, tops, a few months uh, have passed since the last time we saw bagels on Earth, I mean. They didn't know that Harry was going to leave in the TARDIS. No. No one goes, Harry, we assumed you were dead. We packed <laughs> up all your stuff. We sold your flats. We, we <laughs> informed your relatives. We buried an empty casket. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's obviously in the same vein, like Doctor Who universe is it's okay if you're a, com- a medically qualified individual to just pop in and out of your oh, job, right, like, yeah. like Rory. In the- <laughs> Harry went home and got a, uh, got a call from the hospital, like, mm, you're such a good doctor, Harry. <laughs> We'd like to offer you a permanent position <laughs> so that you d- disappear for months on end. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, yeah, here's another thing. Just uh-huh. look, look, glancing through my notes. Like, this could be a damn good reason why Harry doesn't want to travel in the TARDIS again. He got shot in the fucking head. He did. <laughs> but you know what? He got shot in the head on Earth. He did. Yeah, but by a Scotsman, no less. <laughs> no, by a By Zygon. a Zygon. Yeah, that's true. You know, he's getting mixed up in alien <laughs> stuff with the Doctor, which I guess is obviously a strong chance being part of unit. Things won't change too much, but like, that could be a reason. Yeah. Like, I, was, I was so annoyed. Like They go to a trouble of making it that he's being shot in the head, and it's just like a graze. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I I'm felt, happy with that, though. 
I are you not happy with that? No, I just I feel like that was a bit of a kind of like holy fuck, Harry's being shot in the head, and it's just, oh no, I, yeah, it was just the greatest bullet. Uh, I thought okay. it was a missed opportunity for one of the classic Who tropes, whereby someone is uh, unconscious or like or semi-conscious, lying in a hospital bed, talking in their sleep, and just like rambling exposition to the listening nurse or the companion standing beside the bed. You're like, oh no, there's Zygon, M- monster, oh no. <laughs> That's, that's excellent. That's half an episode's worth of exposition taken care of in one in the ramblings of one bed-bound madman. <laughs> well, speaking of exposition... Oh, here we go. <laughs> See, I feel like you didn't need to do that because Broton did it all for him. <laughs> oh, Broton's my hero. I love that guy. Like, seriously, he just gets in a room with anyone and is like, well, on Tuesday, I was trying to invade the Earth. On on Wednesday, um, yeah, I killed about five people. <laughs> on Thursday, well, we were planning to, you know, set Nessie off and like, it's just, everything is just being, like, the history of the Zygon people, the the future plans for taking over the planet, yeah. how they're controlling Nessie. Like, if, if you're within earshot, he'll happily tell you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> I just found, by the way, in my notes, I wrote, I wrote down Broton the Zygon uh, arrived centuries ago. So apparently they do live for a very long time. Yeah, I sort of had that feeling when you were, when you were talking about the fleet coming back, but I, I couldn't find a note about it. I, I definitely heard that as well. So yeah, they these are super old creatures then. Yeah, it would seem so. Hmm. Not entirely unlike squid, I believe. Don't squid live for a massive amount of time? They could well do. I think so. A fascinating fact about squid or possibly octopi. Again, I don't know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Completely irrelevant to Doctor Who. But did you know that they can squeeze through any hole that is larger than their eyeball? I actually did know. I've seen it. It's (gasps) creepy. Well, not in person, like a video. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, regardless, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Squid are actually fascinating. They're They're amazing creatures. Incredibly intelligent creatures. They really are, yeah. yeah. And they've got lots of legs. Yeah. And they're delicious. And a lot of suckers. Yeah. <laughs> delicious. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. That's terrible. Broton, by the way, he was played by a man with an incredible name. Do tell. John Woodnut. Oh, he would not. <laughs> I feel like this is slightly appropriate in a, in a Scottish z- episode. <laughs> he would nut ya. <laughs> the Glasgow kiss. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Have you know, oh, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm sorry, it's perpetuating a, a racial stereotype, but it's a nice name, the classic <laughs> for a headbutt. Well, speaking of perpetuating racial stereotypes, this episode ends on a completely gratuitous just dig at the Scottish as cheap bastards. Can you just take a ride in that TARDIS thingy and claim your money back? Or you call yourself a Scotsman, or whatever he says. Oh, the end. Yeah. <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish are cheap bastards. Roll credits. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, we've met John Woodnut before. He played George Hibbert in Spearhead from Space. Mm-hmm. He uh, uh, portrayed the Draconian Emperor in Frontier in Space. He only does space episodes. Space. Uh, I'll show you a picture of the Draconians in a moment because they are gorgeous. Uh, then he played Broton in this one. Oh, and the Duke of Forgill. And he will arrive one more time. Uh, he will appear one more time as Seron in The Keeper of Draken. Nice. And that's it. That's really it. There you go. I'm going to show you a picture of a Draconian. Nice. Beautiful, right? I mean, they're basically dragons. 
They look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> They're dragons with uh, goatees. <laughs> They're goat dragons. And good shoulder pads. <laughs> Excellent shoulder pads. Yeah. Oh. Salute the shoulder pads. <laughs> okay. I've got a question. The Zygon ship, it's stuck on Earth, right? They can't leave the Earth. Seems to be said that way, yeah. So they, they can fly around on the Earth, and they have the Scarrison, which otherwise, I guess, would just be stuck in the hold somewhere, so they can milk it every now and then. The what, sorry? The Scarrison, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, right. Is that, that's the name it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. a, I've missed that one. Uh, the, the, is it the Brachiosaurus? No, Brachiosaurus. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, the Zygon ship is otherwise normally parked underneath the Duke of Forgill's castle. Yeah. Conveniently located at the end of a secret passageway in accessible via the library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess I have a number of questions here, just logistically. A, how did they get it down there? It's underwater. I mean, yeah, it's actually, that's it. It's underwater. How do you access the bottom of the loch via the library? Was there already a secret passage there, or did they create it? If they didn't create it, did they tunnel into it? If they tunneled into it, how do people remain dry when they go to the spaceship? <laughs> well, this has got my little noggin going, because I'm starting to wonder. There's no hint of this actually in the episode. Okay. But if they've been here for centuries, yeah, this is a duke in a castle which generally speaking these things are hereditary oh i see we... through have they just been impersonating i know this what you them yeah for centuries mm, i knew you were getting to that <laughs> but i have a counter argument okay the duke is also a member of the board of the uh, not only the happy haggis uh, lucky dip thingy whatever it was not only but also the like nuclear power council and you, you feel like they wouldn't have just had a guy set himself well, when up that he, way. Well, when he is resuscitated, when he is popped out of the pods, he goes, you're right, I am a member of that council. Oh, yeah, true. So that is the current duke. Yeah. But they, 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 could, they could have been, like, slowly impersonating. Like, they let them out from time to time, but, like, impersonating this <laughs> and <he's just> family, <laughs> and they, they're changing the, the castle to suit their needs. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go down that I don't, route. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't really understand it. And, and there are so many things about that tunnel that and the tunnel scene, the very first instance of, oh, there's a secret passageway. And by the way, cannot wait until I'm in a position to own my own house because the first thing I'm doing is installing a secret passageway <laughs> behind a bookcase. Oh, yeah. But a few questions. Number one, why does the Duke... And his uh, companion, I can't remember the companion's name, the, the bearded... Caber. Caber, well done. He tosses the Caber. He tosses so they, <laughs> He what? So they nickname him Caber. What is a Caber? A big, long log. Oh, is that the sport? We, yeah, oh, the Highland Games sport. You know what? That's possibly the manliest sport there is. <laughs> Throw a tree. Yeah. <laughs> but so why does the Duke and Caber... Sorry, why do the Duke and Caber lock Sarah Jane in the library if they know that that is the only way to access their spaceship because they're stupid i don't feel that that answers the question (laughs) okay question two why when she opens the secret passageway why is there a conveniently located flashlight because they're stupid no because that makes sense (laughs) oh okay carry on well it's a dark passageway you need your your light nearby 
fucking demoralizing is that? Oh, oh, these alien invaders <laughs> who are here to take over the world. They use a bloody, like an earth flashlight. <laughs> at a certain point, it'll run out of batteries and they'll start knocking it. Give the batteries a little twist. twist and then put them back in. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't because it's stuck on a sucker. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I had not put my brain to this entire back door into the spaceship that really, a- area. It really ticks me off. Yeah, that does not make sense at all. Because, like, I mean, best case scenario, they are now locked out of their spaceship until Sarah Jane Smith is done. That's the best case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, who keeps elephant folios on the top shelf lying down in their library? Fuck you, Duke of Folio. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is a bonkers plot. I'm not sure if I'm buying a lot of it. Okay. But there are some, <laughs> there are some things I like about this. Oh, there are so many things you liked about this. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So I want I want to get onto a couple of, a couple of random things that I liked. So the lead Zygon is not happy with the Zygon nurse because she walks away doing the James Bond villain thing where Doc and Sarah Jane are in the pressurized tank. They're yeah. like, oh, they're as good as dead. <laughs> walks away. <laughs> they escape, pop up again, and Broton's like, what the fuck? Stay there until they're dead. <laughs> yes, Broton. Yes, Broton. Yes, well done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. She, she's stupid enough to do the, or I don't know if there's a he or a she in, in Zygon form, but does the stupid James Bond villain thing. But yeah. Broton is not having it. Yeah. <laughs> How shitty is that, by the way? So you have a, you have a crew of Zygons and... One of them is turned into a nurse who has to be entirely separated from the rest of the the crew because she's she's stuck in a hospital somewhere yeah. by herself or himself. We don't know, as you said. I think but, actually, the Zygon does have a slightly higher pitched voice. I don't know if it is implied. Oh, really? Oh, maybe it, is, it is a, a female, female Zygon. But anyway, but so we have one singular Zygon stuck working in a hospital somewhere far away from backup, basically. And then we have two other Zygons who are working together, one who's the captain, that's Forgill, and one who is Beardy Magoo. Yeah. Kargan? Kaber. Kaber. <laughs> <laughs> the Kurgan. <laughs> Kurgan Schmagler? <laughs> Isn't Kurgan the guy from Highlander? I don't know. The Kurgan. Oh, shit. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I'm going to find out. <laughs> how shit is that well this this gets me back onto just the ridiculousness of the plot in general i think okay so they've, they've been here centuries yeah they i think they make it sound like they've changed their mind like they wanted to get off the planet to start with uh-huh now they're all, all about no let's turn the planet into our ideal homeland correct but they're still they're in the distant edges of scotland yes because they need a loch. They need somewhere to hide their milking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so they're, they're deciding to impersonate Kaber or... Uh-huh. or as Kurgan. You... I just looked it up. Kurgan. It is Kurgan. Clancy Brown played Kurgan. <laughs> okay. Oh, Highlander is such a good film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and one of them is impersonating a nurse and the other is uh-huh. impersonating... <laughs> I think a slightly lucrative duke who... Most people don't seem to like. No one likes him. Why would anyone like him? Yeah. <laughs> and from this, their grand plan is to take over the planet. And it's just like, yeah. no. <laughs> there are steps in between. 
and you need to go and invade other parts of the world and get other people that you can impersonate. But there are only four of them. Yeah. Like they can, they can really, they can... at most, they can take over a village. Like, at a time, they <laughs> well, can take, take over a village. Take over a village, then. There's only four of them. Why do they need the whole planet to start with? Wait, no, I take it back. They can't take over a village. At <laughs> most, they can take over a flat chair. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, literally centuries. Centuries have happened before this episode starts, uh-huh. the serial starts. And yeah, but what are they going to do? Are they going to bone down and produce more Zygons? That's the only thing they can do. Well, they could do. Wait, why haven't they done but that? Why, but why have we had centuries where presumably they haven't done a lot? Other they've than done nothing. Maybe they've crafted the technology to, to get their monster to do what they want to do. I don't know. Because it, it's implied that the monster is with them. When they crashed, is it? It's not. They must have been. It's not inhabitant of Earth. No, no, no. Yeah. The, the Scarrison is like a Zygon thing that they that is used by Zygons to be milked uh, because that's what they feed off of, right? And also used as a weapon. Yeah. Okay. So, so they crashed with this Scarrison. Thing. Yeah. They 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 have been on Earth as long as there have been stories about the Loch Ness monster, minimum. Yeah, I guess that's what they were aiming. Yeah, aiming at. But why? So they, they obviously haven't done a lot. There's been no stories of pink squid-like people. There have been stories <laughs> of the Not Less Monster. There haven't been stories of pink squid-like people. And yeah, in the space of this serial, they go from... They're still in this tiny little environment where the Not Less Monster has been sighted from time to time. And then it escalates to they're taking over the world by trying to wipe out world leaders and political... <laughs> people of some sort i don't know it's just like this is a space of a matter of days when they've had centuries to do stuff that's true and it just like just jumps like that and it, it, there's no I mean, we're arriving just at the culmination of it yeah everything's uh, been working up to this one point where they attack oil rigs but it, it's like if you drew, drew this on a graph <laughs> it would be a horizontal line and then a vertical line <laughs> of, of zygon progress in the invasion of earth <laughs> yeah that's really good <laughs> Another tiny thing I liked okay. um, was when the, the brigadier gets knocked out, he refuses to accept that he's been asleep on duty, basically. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> the doctor wakes him up and says, oh, you've been asleep. He's like, no, I can't have been asleep. I'm on duty. <laughs> God, I love bagels. Yeah, that was lovely. He is the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked Sarah Jane through this serial, I think. I think That's... she was back on form as being an investigative journalist. You know what? I think I I may have taken her for granted in this serial, unfairly so. You're right. She was brilliant in this one. Yeah. Because Harry... Harry's on his way out. Yeah. And I think half of the time he's... The actor is in this. He is the Zygon. Also true. And it's Sarah Jane that's spotting he's the Zygon. She's getting the soldiers to go after him. Like, she's commanding... Like random soldiers who She's are commanding war- units, yeah. troops, yeah, and they listen, which is yeah. kind of hilarious for a start. But <laughs> but you know, she's just like, yeah, that's fucking get after him, yeah, catch that guy. And she's so at one point she sits down and is like trying to write an article, which is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. You think for a moment that maybe she'll be relegated to the you know the C or the D plot when she's stuck in the library, but it turns out that's actually the. B, possibly even the A plot, because yeah. she's the one who divulges this is where there's a spaceship. She's the first person to make proper first contact in this serial. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. she That's, is pretty great. Yeah, back on form. Yeah, well done. There's a scene between her and the Doctor when they're stuck in the, the pressure chamber or the whatever it is. Yeah. 
Which, by the way, fantastic trope. They're stuck in the room, and there is a, not quite a countdown, but there's some meter going down. And yeah. In this case, it's oxygen or whatever. There's a scene there where the doctor hypnotizes her. Oh, yeah. What is that about? In fact, there are two questions there. What does he do to her, and why does he then shout into the empty room, or the otherwise empty room? Oh, I don't remember the shouting bit. He just goes, oh! Oh. Yeah, it's not even a shout. It's like he howls into the empty room. What I, okay, so my note is a question. Since uh-huh. when can the doc hypnotize people into not needing to breathe? Because <laughs> that, that seems to be what he does. Is he, he basically hypnotizes her to like slow down her, her body and stuff. Yeah, metabolism. So she doesn't need to take breaths as often, I guess. That's true. Almost, almost puts her into a coma. I guess. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Is like how? <laughs> I don't think he's done this before. Not that I recall. Um, and then it seemed, which I think was the the weird noise, was he basically doing that kind of thing to himself? Oh. So he he as I guess as a Gallifreyan. So the sound of his consciousness leaving his body is him howling <laughs> like a wolf at the moon. Well, I thought it was more of maybe the breathing thing. Like, oh, I see. There's something to do with that, like it. <laughs> Take, it did taking not a really, sound like him yeah, breathing. Okay. <laughs> One weird last breath. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like the most fabulous Gallifreyan climax. <laughs> it's just not entirely expected. <laughs> but it's a great trope, the two of them stuck in that room. And I, we've had it on a few occasions. And I think I always go back to the same example. But the first case of this that I recall is the first Doctor, or rather one of the first Doctor's companions, Ian, uh, Ian Chesterton, stuck in a, I think also, a pressure chamber in the serial Galaxy 4. The serial that uh, may or may not yeah. take place in Galaxy 4. <laughs> the prelude to Galaxy 5. <laughs> <laughs> Who are part of the Federation of Galaxies? I, don't <laughs> I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember either. No. <laughs> okay, question for you: Why do zygons fade back to their original form before they strangle people? Did that? Did that happen? It, it well, changed. Back to the Zy- landlord gets uh, killed by a zygon who turns into the nurse turns into a zygon in order to kill the landlord. Oh, really? Yeah. But then the nurse, as nurse, can I think the words used in this episode is clobber. She clobbers a unit soldier with like a rock. Uh. I don't know. I I couldn't quite decide what the Zygon's physical attributes were meant to be because there's a scene where like a guard, no, a, a unit soldier. Oh, in part four. Is is it part four? Where they they've already cornered the Zygon. Yeah, they've and got he, the guns trained on. He just like he touches his neck and the guy's dead. Yeah, yeah. But the guy the guy has like come round to just make sure it doesn't escape from one side yeah. they're already pointing guns at the Zygon yep. and they just stand there while the Zygon strangles <laughs> this dude who's just appeared from there but it's not even like strangling strangling someone I mean or give it, give Bruce it a Willis shoulder movies that lead me to believe it takes a long time whereas he yeah exactly he just sort of he basically just touches him and which may lead you to believe that the suckers or maybe the Zygon skin is maybe the skin is poisonous to humans or or yeah. the suckers do something in particular to you. Just Again, though, just throw in a line. <laughs> throw in a line! Yes, exactly! <laughs> like, that guard could have had had a one line, because I don't think he says anything. He could have said, Ah, oh, it burns! Or, or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it's yes. very tingly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, it's a bit 
also, I kind of expected there to be more attention paid later to the fact that the Zygons can basically make fellow Zygons disappear when they die. So I think it only happens once. I think it might be the Harry Zygon. I was going to ask, what happens to the Harry Zygon? Because I think, so he falls off from height and uh-huh. I think it looks like maybe broke his back or something. He's like and he turns into over. a Zygon. He turns so, back into his yeah. original form. So again, that's fitting in with what you were saying. That maybe it's just they can't hold the human form very I think well. Like you're, okay. you're about to die. You're, you probably want to die as yourself. And also it probably like takes some effort for them to... Yeah, I mean, a chameleon to, into human form. That's what I'm thinking. So maybe with you know, if they're getting aggressive, maybe they just lose concentration and revert back. And then if they are on the verge of dying, ah, oh, but so Nurse Zygon. Oh, I don't know. You're right. So just sexy. <laughs> Nurse Zygon turns into a Zygon. Turns into the original shape in order to kill Landlord. Gets shot in the arm. Cut to in the forest. Her arm is bleeding. Yeah, like she is severely injured retains the human nurse form, picks up a rock, boom, bashes a soldier over the head. They're not consistent. No, I don't think so. But yeah, the the Harry Zygon, though, dies in the Zygon form. Yeah. Flip to Broton being aware that the signal's been lost. They seem to be able to track each other. And then, what's the phrase? Molecular disposal. Oh, really? Happens. I missed that line. And the Zygon just disappears. I totally missed that. Yeah. I should should clarify I was cooking for maybe one of these (laughs) four parts. Okay. I I completely missed that. I can explain... I I mean, I think I can explain the, oh, we've lost the signal, because there is a technological component here as well. I mean, the, the Harry Zygon is coupled with a pod. Yeah, true. That at some point must have housed Harry, right? And uh, and when the Harry Zygon dies, the pod probably goes, boop, this pod's free. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, someone else can be Harry now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Form an orderly cube. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just expected it to have a bit more meaning and like it would come back and all the Zygons would basically disappear. Like they'd have some automated thing that they would, no human could ever find a, a Zygon and dissect it or anything. But. Yeah, true. I've kind of forgotten. How, how does this end? Like, what happens to the Zygons at the end? Well, so the the spaceship is blown up. Yeah, so they... So because the, there is a very convenient, gigantic, self-destruct jukebox at one, in one corner of the cockpit. Yeah. Or of the bridge. So that gets rid of everyone apart from Broton. And Broton gets cornered in the one dusty back room that looks like a crack den in the middle of a very large building, almost, not quite, but almost a skyscraper on (laughs) South Bank. And there's just this one crack den storeroom. And he gets shot. He gets shot. So he, yeah, he's the one with the guard. So his body must be left. And at this point, Unit is just having calamari. They're all over that shit. Yeah. (laughs) They're dissecting the crap out of it. Yeah. And presumably there are bits of Zygon after the ship explosion, though. Also true. Okay, so this this is not one of my observations, but I read in on TARDIS Wiki that in the 50th anniversary? Can't remember now, but presumably in the 50th anniversary... Or in one of the, maybe in one of the Capaldi Zygon episodes, there's a line about how a unit surgeon or doctor, in brackets, possibly Harry, you don't know, 
created a poisonous gas, I want to say, a gas that is poisonous only to Zygons on Earth. But, quote, someone with a TARDIS came and confiscated it. Oh. So the doctor clearly went like, oh, that's, that's against the galactic equivalent of the Geneva Convention. I'm going to take that poison. Yeah. But in order to create such a poison in the first place, there must have been a Zygon specimen on Earth. Yeah. And that specimen must have been Broton. Yeah. Unquestionably. Do you think the Scarrison is still left on Earth? Is there such a thing as the Loch Ness Monster? And is that Loch Ness Monster just going, can someone please milk me? My <laughs> udders are about to explode. <laughs> is the is the Scarrison what we later see in, uh, I can't remember, is it The Force Awakens? No, The Last Jedi. Where oh, the blue milk. <laughs> where Mark Hamill just jacks off a space cow into his face. <laughs> I sort of, I love the randomness of that. It just comes out of nowhere. But why why is this creature giving off milk? Dude, what's the problem, man? It's permanently okay. pregnant or, or just really young. Well, I mean, we have cows. We have cows on Earth, right? Oh, I guess cows don't produce milk. Wait, hang on. How does it work? Do they always know, milk? You know, I don't know what they do with cows. All cows can't like constantly be pregnant. They must just always... Uh, we must do stuff to them. Do you think so? Oh, that's dreadful. Oh, I hope I don't that's know. not the case. I, I kind of want to look this up now and be educated, but also not because I want to carry on drinking milk. <laughs> or rather having it on my side. I've had to switch to soy milk. I'm happy to know <laughs> this. I, I can happily know this. Apologies for our ignorance for podcast land. <laughs> We know a bit more about Doctor Who. <laughs> than cows. Than cows. <laughs> but okay, so imagine that cows on Earth, imagine that Earth cows were the size of a brontosaurus. Yeah. Yeah. Now, seriously, how long would it take you to cyborg that cow and turn it into a milk-producing weapon <laughs> of mass destruction? Well, there's four of you as well. Also, how much milk do you need when there's four of you? <laughs> That's true. They must be swimming in the stuff. <laughs> they must have terrible glandular problems. <laughs> An overconsumption of, of lactose. I said the one lactose intolerant zygote in the corner going, oh. uh, what am I going to do, guys? Uh, can someone please pass me the cyborg bean? <laughs> Soybean. <laughs> Madam Prime Minister? Yeah. Madam Prime Minister. Reading this straight off TARDIS wiki, or wiki I always call it wiki, actually. In this story, the brigadier speaks to an unnamed female prime minister on the telephone. Margaret Thatcher had become leader of the Conservative Party in February 1975, seven months before broadcast. But she wasn't PM at this point. She, she No, she must she not have come been, in until, right? like, 79 or something? I can't remember. Uh, no, she was leader of the party for I don't know how long, but certainly more than seven months. Certainly a few years. Oh, wait, hang on, I'm going to look this up. It might be earlier than I thought, actually. I just, I just know I grew up with Thatcher and no one else. Very, 1979 very to 1990. Yeah, 79. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're a bit ahead of themselves, but preempting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you think this is intentional like uh, guesswork on the BBC's part? Do you, yeah, do you think that that is meant to be Thatcher, or is it, is it maybe the equivalent of, like, in numerous... Hollywood movies and or US TV shows or TV shows that involve the US in the near future, they make the president, they, they basically go like, no, seriously, we will assume that we are, we've progressed beyond the, it's going to be a, a white man from a wealthy background yeah. and they make it slightly more liberal or slightly more progressive. 
Is is that what they're saying here? Are they saying, hey, if we can have a female leader of the Conservative Party, who knows? Maybe we can have a, we can have a female PM at some point in the near future. Yeah, I think you're probably right, actually. Because I, I don't know if Doctor Who Classic or New Who ever deals with the real names of prime ministers, does it? Other than like historic ones like Churchill. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe for diplomatic reasons, they have to stick with historical figures yeah. and maybe not take a stand politically. I feel like they, they do stay clear of that, probably intentionally. And also, please, if they were to take a stand, surely they're Labour. They're not Tories. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the closest they get to this kind of thing is throwing in like real news presenters or yeah, that's true. a cameo from a, like a Brian Cox or a Patrick Moore. That's true. Kind of I mean, in fact, if, if this were meant to be Thatcher, then surely they would have gone Mr. Prime Minister because it wouldn't be the Tories. <laughs> it would be Labour. Yeah, yeah quite possibly. No, I, th- I think you're right that they, they're getting wind of, yes, yeah, society is changing. We yeah. can imagine this happening. We're going to say it's happened. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a fantastic Which is good. thing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a wonderful thing. Wonderful. And I mean, it's equal parts wonderful and incredibly tragic that we still need to do this. But I mean, we do still do this today. We see this in films and on TV still today, as opposed to just assuming that that is the case. Yeah. Ah, oh, humanity. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? We haven't really talked about the um, oil rigs and uh, oh, what did I call him? Not Clint Howard, the the guy, the guy who's in charge of the oil the the only man on the the oil rig. Which which? Hang on, is this the guy that that dies on the uh, beach? Who gets washed up on the beach? I think so. Is that not Clint Howard? No, wait, may, hang on, wait. Maybe Clint Howard is a different character. I remember there's one chap who's... I wrote down, where is not Clint Howard from? Because there's a guy who looks remarkably like Clint Howard. Who's Clint Howard? Clint Howard is Ron Howard's, I want to say, brother. Oh, okay. Who's... uh, Hang on, I'll show you a picture of him and you'll go, oh, yeah, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, him. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, I'm not quite sure which which character in this episode you're talking about. Because there are two people related to the oil rigs. There's the guy who washes up on the beach. And there's the... I want to say American guy who... That's the guy. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Who's from the company. Oh, I see. That's... Yes, that's exactly who I'm thinking of. Sorry. Yeah. Who is... Like, Was super... he meant to be American? I don't know. He's got, he's got a slightly different accent. He's not Scottish. No, th- that's why I went. Where is he from? But yeah. I don't... I kind of got an American twang. Oh, but I, I didn't wasn't... realize he was and meant to be American. Because it was... He was to do with a oil company... And he didn't sound British. I oh, this makes sense. American, I just thought it was an actor who was even worse at doing a, a Scottish accent than I am. <laughs> that is also possible. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I never quite worked out what they were trying to do with him. Because he seemed, through most of the appearances, to be like one of the most super nice, helpful guys around. And what happens to him in the end? And they were just so dismissive of him. And then, yeah, they was like, oh, no, we don't need your help. And I think he just gets written out. In, oh no I don't know he just, I'm sure he doesn't pop up again does Yeah he? I've conflated that guy With dude who gets killed on beach Right Oh I feel so bad But but I think that's also indicative Of how poorly crafted Those two characters are Yeah Well because I think There's one scene Where you flip between the two And they're both just On the radios to each other Yeah Possibly <laughs> I don't know I, th- I think you're right Yeah Um. And yeah I think I glanced away Halfway through And was like Oh shit Is you, Are you on the oil rig Or are you on land <laughs> Like <laughs> 
I don't even I don't even know if they looked that much alike, but they probably they don't. weren't they weren't very well established. I think they were both kind of balding middle aged guys and it was just like, Mr. Oil Rig, by the way. <laughs> The guy can't catch a break. He's on an oil rig. A dinosaur eats it. <laughs> he washes ashore. <laughs> a dude shoots him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some unlucky shit right there. <laughs> and he doesn't even live long enough to know it was an alien. <laughs> no, he has no idea. <laughs> Do you think that the model of the oil rig that gets blown up in the in the beginning? which is a beautiful model. Do you think that's the same model that is later presented to the Doctor and Bagels by, I think, not Clint Howard? Um, yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, I can't even actually picture the scene where they're given a model. <laughs> Sarah Jane. Okay. Coming back to Sarah Jane. Okay. When she goes and discovers the Zygon ship, did you love her reaction to an automatic door? Or- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Has she never encountered one? Like, I don't know. I'm sure wait, we talked, were they not a thing? I'm sure we talked about this before, that we were kind of debating whether 1970s would have had any automatic doors in, in shops or whatever. But she's genuinely reacting like, this is so otherworldly. Like, this is, this is Star Trek come to life. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the first automatic sliding doors for use by people, wait, for use by whom else, <laughs> <laughs> were invented in 1954 uh, by Lou Hewitt and D. Horton. The first one was installed in 1960, and it made use of a matte actuator. What the hell does that mean? I'm assuming that means that you step on it and it opens uh, up. Ah, right. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. It's such a weird scene. Like, because <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that they have had aut- automatic doors. <laughs> A hundred percent. But this is is another thing. Like, I mean, you've been here for centuries. You have sliding doors. Wait, hang on. You have a spaceship, (laughs) but you still need a flashlight? (laughs) (laughs) Will not let the flashlight go. (laughs) I refuse. (laughs) How pleased were you when you heard the words disused quarry? (laughs) Well, they're actually addressing the (laughs) fact that they're filming in a disused quarry. (laughs) (laughs) Just like every single episode of Doctor Who. They actually filmed in quite a few different places for this. They did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some London shots. Not in Scotland. Oh, did they not shoot in Scotland? No, apparently not, yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Apparently that was too expensive. (laughs) But they did, they shot uh, in West Sussex. So they went, there's a beach at some place called Climping. Okay. There was some common... In the South Downs and then the quarry. You know, but they, they, they had multiple locations and they obviously went in the studio and did stuff. They just couldn't afford to go to Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Could have fooled me. How did you feel about the, the dock in Scottish gear? Right at the start. Yeah, sorry, to jump back to the very, very beginning. I think my initial impression was, oh, the dock's gone all Scottish. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, oh, why is the... Doc dressing up to be in Scotland. He doesn't normally do this kind of thing. Why not? (laughs) But I also did love that um, Harry now was sporting the Doc's scarf and Sarah Jane had his hat. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Did did you like the Scottish thing? Uh, I I did like it. It reminded me of a conversation that you and I had about, like, is this now his uniform forever? Oh, yeah. And, um, I mean, it is-ish to the point where even seeing his uniform on other people reminds us of Tom Baker's Doctor. Yeah. 
which is wonderful in and of itself. Like that scarf is inseparable, even when he's not wearing it. He and the scarf are inseparable. Uh, but yeah, let's. I mean, let's let's make a mental note of this. He's wearing a different hat. He's wearing a different scarf, like different colors. Yeah, but still very much fourth doctor. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Tom Baker is, is is wonderful in this. What one other item that I've I've written down here is the scene where he throws the uh, the transmitter off the balcony at the Scarrison. And he has this incredibly psychopathic look on his face. <laughs> and we don't see the Scarrison yet. We just hear it in the background, just munching on this thing. And people are screaming on the South Bank because they've seen a bloody dinosaur. It's terrifying. And then Sarah Jane shows up. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if she just went completely deadpan? And just like, but, but why, did you, why did you aim it at a kindergarten? You know, <laughs> or something to that effect. <laughs> what to go with his manic expression? Yeah, his. I mean, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Anyway, I think I have one other point actually. Okay, just very quickly. Mm, let's hear it. So we talked about how Bagel turns down a trip in the TARDIS. Yep. Harry has, for some reason, decided he's done. Yep. Sarah Jane is quite reluctant to carry on. She needs the reassurance that they will go straight back to London to get in the TARDIS. And I, my note is, which they obviously won't. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is going to be a different journey on the cards. I haven't actually looked at what the next series is. But nor I. I don't know. How, how did that sit with you that basically this episode, this serial ends with not many people wanting to like voluntarily travel with the Doctor? It sits neither well nor poorly with me. I felt like Sarah Jane's reaction was just there to balance out Harry's and Bagel's reaction. So they don't seem quite so... Exactly, because if she goes, yeah, obviously, duh, it's a space and time machine, I will absolutely join you, then Harry looks like an idiot for not doing so, as as does Bagel. So I, I don't see that. And also, I think podcast land please correct me if i'm wrong i think sarah jane and tom baker are the duo the doctor companion duo to travel together the second longest i think patrick trouton and jamie also scotsman the highlander we little jamie Jamie. (laughs) i think they travel together the longest in classic who and i think tom baker and sarah jane are the second so I, i i know that they've got a ways to go yeah and I'm not worried in that. Fair enough. Yeah, my five cents. Uh, now, cut to whobagwhen.com. Podcast land tells me what an idiot I am because all of what I just said was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Writeroonie and cheesecakes. Where to start? The first, and I thought the first of many, but it turns out the first of only. <laughs> one appearance of the Zygons in Classic Who. This episode, I only watched it once now, and I did remember, I do remember having seen it as a kid, but I remembered nothing of the plot. I had written down 4.0 Whoa. for this episode. <laughs> That's how incredibly thrilled by this episode I was to begin with. And I'll, just explaining why that is, it's that the, the Zygons are fantastic. As a, as a concept, we have these marooned aliens. Brilliant. They're stuck in a, in a castle. Brilliant. They have a dinosaur that they have to milk. I, I'm, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, the, the whole mystery of who's a Scotsman and who's a Knotsman. Wonderful. Love that stuff. 
the aesthetics of the Zygon ship, wonderful, the little sexy Cronenberg knobs. I like the cum-don donut klaxon on the wall at one point. It's just like, ugh. It's like something from a, a freshman hazing ritual. <laughs> I apologize. I like when, I think the last time I mentioned this was possibly the daemon, no, probably not the daemons. I, I enjoy when you take mythical things and give them sonify explanations in Doctor Who, and we get that every now and then. We've had it in New Who, certainly, with werewolves and vampires relatively recently. Yeah. And here we get a sonify explanation for the Loch Ness Monster, which is, it's this the exact same tradition, and I, I love that. All of these things amount to plus points. Tom Baker is brilliant as the fourth Doctor. There's a shot of, at the very end, the Tom Baker shot when he arrives at the TARDIS and he looks back at the camera and he smiles. That is the screenshot of the TARDIS that I had on my screen while I was drawing up the measurements for my own TARDIS in the garden. (laughs) I I love the Doctor in this and I love everything about Tom Baker. Companions, brilliant. There are, however, too many things in the plot that unfortunately do not make sense. And I I fear that maybe this is the kind of... There is absolutely no consistency in how I approach this when rating episodes, and I admit that freely, Podcast Land, but I think maybe this is one of those cases where really what we should do is we should ignore all of those logical inconsistencies of the narrative of the plot. I should stop saying narrative because you could turn that into a drinking game. Uh, of the <laughs> Of the Doctor Who plots... And instead, just focus on the sheer pleasure that you take from seeing a sci-fi story unfold before your eyes and and seeing all these characters that you love uh, act out before you. But a consequence of these reviews is that we sit down and we discard all of that passion and we instead invest that same energy and that same passion into raw critique. Ripping the shit out of it. (laughs) And, and consequently, I, I have to focus on things like how had they contemplated furthering the logistics of four people ruling over the world with one renegade milking dinosaur for hundreds <laughs> of years? Are there not other soldiers or politicians in the world? London is not the only city in the world. There are other superpowers. Do they have enough fuel for their rocket ship? If they can take off, why don't they take off? <laughs> <laughs> How did they get underneath the castle? There's a huge building on the south bank. Why does everyone converge on the same dusty room? And why does that room look like a crack den? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like, I'm rating it down for all of those reasons. And I'm rating it up for all of the, re- the same reasons as like every time there's a bad guy that talks about his ultimate power. I, I love it because I know that he's clearly overcompensating for a tiny trouser pistol. I'm downgrading this from a 4.0 to a 3.1, even though I gave Terror of the Autons, which did the whole evil plot and taking over the world surreptitiously way better, a 3.0. So 3.1 for Terror of the Zygons. Nice. That's right. Damn right it's nice. (laughs) Good summing up there. So we're not a million miles away from each other. Okay. Just putting that out there at the start. Mm Mm-mm. So I also started with a slightly higher number on paper okay, or on screen and have had it beaten down by myself <laughs> and you. <laughs> so I, I think I, I'm coming from this as a very similar kind of point of view, actually. Like I enjoyed watching this. I enjoyed getting 
swept along for it for the most part. There, there were things I questioned as watching it, which is why it wasn't a massively high score at the start. It was a, a middling high score at the start, which I'll get on to. Um, <laughs> but I generally enjoyed the Zygons. I questioned their plan for taking over the world, definitely, as I watched it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fact that they had the lot less monster. And like you said, this is the ability that you can have with science fiction to put a make-believe, but kind of semi-believable, if you're willing to accept aliens exist, kind of situation for explaining an otherwise legend that we can never prove or disprove. You know, that kind of thing. You know, just having a bit of fun with that. As you were saying it in your mini-review, I couldn't help but then think, but then they trotted Nessie down to London. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) So we kind of ruined that whole mythos thing and it's just been no yeah nessie exists and she's in the thames <laughs> sorry <laughs> so again it's you know i think that's the kind of thing that's really bad with this this serial is once you start picking things it doesn't stop unraveling it is just <laughs> yeah why why have they impersonated this duke how did they get under the castle why did they build that thing into the bookcase or did they build that thing into the bookcase and then then you've been very intelligently pointing out, and why do they unlock Sarah Jane in the room with the entrance? That you know, it's it's just so many little things that just keep connecting together on one little thread that you just gone. Hmm, that didn't quite sit right. No, um, <laughs> which is a real shame because the Zygons are done really well. They're morphing scene. I think we see it like three or four times, maybe. And it's beautiful. Like obviously in the context of 1975 television, but. Yeah, that's done the really spaceship well. Spaceship scenes, dude. The, the spaceship, spaceship is yeah. beautiful. Like the li- the little fact is that there's a model in front, and they're like jumping out of a thing in the background. Oh. You know, we see it twice, but the first time I was genuinely kind of like, what "Did the- they build a they scale built- model? They built a scale model." And then my yeah. brain sort of slowly went, "No, this is the BBC in 1975 and <laughs> Doctor Who. That's a model. Whoa, that had me fooled. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, same here, by the way." And yeah, this is so I, I really wanted to just kind of go super love this, you know, like super like it's Nessie, it's Zygons, it's, but it's, I just I just couldn't couldn't have it sticking. So I I started with a three point three. So I, was, I started oh. a bit lower than you did. Okay. Um, and I haven't knocked it down massively in the grand scheme of things, but I had to keep chipping away as my brain got more and more into the thread pulling. And so I've ended up with a 2.7. Oh, I, I estimated 2.8, but okay, 2.7. Yeah. Excellent review. <laughs> Excellent stuff. <laughs> Listener minis? Yes. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Bingo bongo. We have some listener minis. And spoiler, we've seen these ratings. <laughs> and. Apologies that we're we're not in sync with you yet again. <laughs> I would like to think that if the uh, soon-to-be-heard contributors from Podcast Land had participated in a conversation, in a critique of the calibre of, of our review, then they too may have downgraded their ratings a little bit. Yeah. I like I said, I too. started on a 4.0. Yeah, yeah, true. Right? Yeah, true. Let's not spoil it too much. Let's jump into this instead. First out of the gate, we have Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. 
Paul has sent us a maxi, and it is... It's more a synopsis, a way better, frankly, and way more detailed synopsis than than we provided at the head of this episode. So we're going to suggest that you go to whobackone.com and read it in its full splendor. And in the meantime, we will give you this teeny tiny taster. Terror of the Zygons was filmed with season 12, intended as its finale but held back to let Doctor Who start broadcasting in the fall. Given the atmosphere, the mystery, the Loch Ness Monster, an alien menace, and plenty for our characters to do, it's well worth the wait for viewers in 1975. Oh, yeah. As said, in addition to this conclusion, there is a wonderful synopsis. Please read it on whobackone.com and give Paul a high five online. Paul Forber can be found at Wordsmith Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much, Paul. 250 words, buddy. 250 words. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got Trenton Blast. Hey there, Trenton. Hello, Trenton. Trenton starts, after that disaster that was Revenge of the Cybermen, we needed something to recover. Terror of the Zygons was the best story to recover with. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a shaky old start, mind you. The establishing shot of an oil rig is straight out of the manual on how not to film a model (laughs) from above in water. (laughs) While the lone radio operator on the Bonnie Prince Charlie is saddled with some dubious geographical colour, uttering the word haggis in the toss of a caber. Fortunately, two things turn it around. The heartwarming togetherness of the three travellers, first seen tramping through the heather, Harry sporting the Doctor's scarf and Sarah, his hat, and Tom Baker's captivating performance as the Doctor, talking once again through his hat. Very well. I don't know the pronunciation of that. (laughs) (laughs) And later, staring morosely into the middle distance as if utterly bored by terrestrial concerns. Hmm. Just ten minutes in, says Trenton, we see the story's pièce de résistance, the Zygon itself. Excellent pronunciation. Thank you. All nodules and burst capillaries. It looks like Humpy Dumpty's had a skin graft from an octopus. (laughs) Hot. As dreamt up by James Hson, gonna Mm. say, and John Friedlander, the Zygon is exquisitely horrible. The monster's the Cato Whisper. A lovely contrast to the additional roars and rants of the bad guy alien completes the package. Mm -mm. Overall, what do I think? I think it's brilliant. It's wonderfully done and possibly the best story with shapeshifters in Doctor Who. Sorry, faceless ones. Not even the modern series can touch this one. Oh my goodness. And Trenton gives this 4.2 out of 5. Whoa. Holy moly. Trenton, brilliant. Thank you so much. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent as always uh, Ladies and gents Please follow Trenton online He is at Trenton Blast That's blessed with two What's Jim? S's <laughs> <laughs> That's right Jim Thanks <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much Trenton Thank you Trent Next up we've got Peter Zunich Zunmeister Hey there Hello <laughs> Zunmeister Peter starts it's not surprising that the Zygons became so popular from just this one story. They're an interesting race, well-performed, incredibly well-designed, and with technology unlike anything seen to date. Unlike other races, they skip the peace conference and head straight to the power summit. They know how to hit where it hurts. <laughs> 
This episode is riddled with great acting. Liz Sladen is in top form. Tom Baker is entrancing. The Briggs is totally in command. Benton, Harry, the landlord, the Duke, all interesting characters with substantial development for the limited time they all have on screen. The biggest elephant in the room has to be the Scarazan. And yes, it's a shame it didn't look better. But I'm amazed with what they did pull off. And for the time, I think it's just fantastic. It's also a shame that the outside of the ship didn't look as organic as the inside. Hmm. But that's such a small observation, it's laughable. Oh, very good observation. I didn't consider it. The only thing left, Peter goes on, is the production. And there's no complaints from me. The music is haunting. The locations are interesting. And the directing is top-notch. It's the perfect length. Uh, and simply <laughs> sorry Peter <laughs> and simply leaves us wanting more is it the best story? asks Peter no he answers <laughs> it's not a thriller minute that leaves you on the edge of your seat it is however a thoroughly enjoyable watch and one I'm happy to come back to time and time again so vote this one high fans the moose is watching oh <laughs> And he gives this 4.4 out of 5. Whoa, my Jesus. Oh, man. All right. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Yeah? Yeah. Peter, awesome mini as always. Please, just throw us a dodge every once in a while. (laughs) Thank you, Peter. (laughs) Next up, last up, in fact, we have Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hi, Michael. Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael. (laughs) Michael has started with some things he liked. Creepy moors, sinister music, fabulous villains in both human and squelchy form, Mm -mm. and awesome glove puppet and stop motion Nessie. Anyone who didn't like the latter is dead inside. (laughs) Agreed. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Next thing, Michael Light. Units back in action. The refresher training since their shambolic dad's army performance in Robot has clearly paid off. (laughs) Definitely. Michael, of course, did have a few beefs. His first beef being, the Zygons really need to work on their getaway plans. (laughs) Zygon Harry and Zygon Nurse Ratchet clearly hadn't the foggiest what to do next. She was Nurse Ratchet in my notes as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's in his notes. Why didn't Zygon Harry bring a car to steal the beacon instead of legging it and carrying in a barn like a fool? Is Harry's departure a little underwhelming for what was a great TARDIS trio, the real power of three? Oh. And the last beef that Michael has is only three more outings of bagels to go. No! What? Actually, no, I read that as a trivia. We're not going to see him for another eight years. <gasps> yeah. Though one is an awesome adventure with the Seventh Doctor. Doctor. To think, if he hadn't have been the sole survivor of the battle with the Yeti in the bloodbath that was episode four of the Weather Fear, we would never have had the Brigadier. I toast to you, Leftbridge Stewart. As do we. In summary, Michael says, we are spoiled with this quintessential classic who, a joy and he gives this a rating of 4.5 out of 5 oil rig workers being chewed on by Cyborg Nessie. Oh. Holy moly. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, excellent stuff. 
Thank you for that awesome review, Michael. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm glad that you enjoyed every minute by the looks of it. Of this. <laughs> yeah, we didn't quite get there, but you did. Uh, it certainly seems like it. People who are not Michael, please follow Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. No more underscores. <laughs> Stop with the underscores. No, no, don't press that key. I know how tempting it is. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone, for all those awesome reviews. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. I hope you enjoyed listening to us rip this apart a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Why wouldn't they? (laughs) You know we love it. You know we love it. Next up, we are going to be entertaining you with a review of a new Who episode, namely of The Angels Take Manhattan. Oh, my God. Put it back. (laughs) And the next classic we will have is... Planet of Evil. Oh, oh. an anti-matter creature, eh? Very exciting stuff. And the next audio who, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter. Jim, you are? At Jimmy the Who. That's right, you are. And I am at Pumpkin. You can probably guess how you spell that. Thank you so much for listening. You've been a wonderful audience. Be rad and excellent to each other. (laughs) Cha-chao. Bye-bye. Party on, dudes. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when? This is the one with the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Cronenbergian sex knobs. <laughs> the trustee at the Golden Haggis Lucky Dip. And Dynacons are asked in phase two. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Terror of the Psychos. <laughs> Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs>